Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I am very excited about this week's guest. She is a queer Hawaiian artist and a TikTok creator. Welcome to the show, Anuhia Nihipali. Hi, aloha. Hello. It's nice to be here. Aloha. Did I did I fuck up your name? Um. So so you didn't fuck it up completely, but you fucked it up a little bit. <laughs> Just like a baby fuck up. Just a baby fuck up, which is fine. Um, it's Anuhea. Anuhea, Anuhea, like, Anuhea. It's yeah. So like in Hawaiian language, if you see an I, it's pronounced E. But if you see an E, it's pronounced E. Like it's like a broad E. I love that, and mm-hmm. also like I feel ashamed of myself because I asked you how to pronounce it thirty seconds ago, and <laughs> I was and like, inst- eh. <laughs> and just instantly, instantly. But also like every time I talk to you, I just call you Anu. Like, Mm -hmm. I never call you Anuhea. Like, I just call you Anu. That would be weird if I still didn't know how to say your name and I was constantly just calling you the wrong name. But maybe I'll start calling you Anuhea so that I can. It's totally fine. I I personally only like the people that I like the most calling me Anu. So you're totally allowed to call me Anu. (gasps) I make. I really do make people that I like don't like or or I make people that I don't know super well or aren't Hawaiian. I make them say my full name. So does that make me Hawaiian? Am I Hawaiian? <laughs> actually, I was just kidding. Um, but actually, I had this interaction with a creator on TikTok the other day um, and they asked how to say my name. And so I told them kind of through it was on a live and I told them with like phonetics or trying to spell it out. And they tried to say it and they butchered it. And that's okay. It's okay when someone butchers my name. I'm not upset because they're trying. And they just go, it's fine. I'll just call you Anna. No, um, not, not no. Anna. Not Anna. No. No. <laughs> I was like, no. ooh. Not you the microaggression. You can call me Anna, but I won't be responding. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, hate that. I hate it too. And I mean, I talked about this like a thousand million fucking times on my podcast, just like, you know, people fucking your name up, but it's not even about them fucking up the name. It's that they're not trying and they just try to make it like easy on themselves. And that's what really annoys me because I feel like someone was like, oh my God, you're so dramatic about this. I'm like, I'm really not because I think it's fair to expect people to at least attempt to say your name, which is your name kind of correctly mm-hmm. to the best of their ability. But like when someone says like, oh, I'm just going to call you uh, Anna or Anna or whatever, like that's, that, that's, no, that's no, that's not well, okay. That's, that is a microaggression. Yeah. It's microaggressive because you don't see people called Amanda being like said, oh, well, I'm not going to call you Amanda. I'm going to call you Emily. Like no one says that because it's an English name. That is yeah. easy to pronounce for them. Like, it's all about, would... <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. I, even my family, you know, I'm, I'm mixed. So half of my family is white and they even butcher my name um, and still butcher it even after like correcting. I mean, this is why I don't see them, <laughs> but <laughs> this, is, um, this is why they've lost their visitation rights because yeah. <laughs> they don't even try. But no, I mean, that's like me just being like, you know what? Your name is Amanda, but quite frankly, I feel more comfortable calling you Ahmed. And therefore, I will call you Ahmed moving forward because yeah. it's, it's, it's how I feel most comfortable as an Arab. 
Um, but like, I wouldn't Imagine do that because that. that's, that's crazy. That's a crazy fucking thing to do. Um, well, and if you did that, somebody would go, oh my God, how dare you do that? <laughs> these, like- mus- these Muslims are back at it again. Someone, <laughs> someone call Adam Driver, which I found out yesterday that apparently does Adam Driver hate Muslims? Wait, what? Yes. One of my no. friends told me yesterday because I was like, oh, this Gucci movie. I'm like so excited. I love Lady Gaga. And I think that Adam Driver is like so hot. And she was like, yeah, but like he's like kind of problematic. And I was like, oh, my God, what do you mean? And she said that apparently he gave this interview where he said that like he had joined the army at some point in time and like made some commentary like relating it to like protecting America post 9-11. I don't actually know the context of it because I never looked into it, but it feels Islamophobic. Um, Mm. Look at me just spreading rumors about Adam Driver without fact checking it at all. (laughs) You get a, you get like a little notice in your, (laughs) you get like a, what are they called? You work in the legal office. Yeah. I don't work in a legal office. I work for the state attorney's office. Jeez. I don't know what the difference is. I'm sorry. I mean, if I worked at a legal office, first of all, I would have no business there. Truly. Zero business. Even though I do oh. like to cosplay as an attorney. Cool. That's a fun cosplay. Yeah. Um, wait. Wait. I'm sorry. My processing speed is so slow. But Adam Driver is Islamophobic. I can't. <laughs> I'm not I'm okay with this information. Adam Driver <laughs> hates me personally. Nordisadi, he said that with his own beautiful lips. I can't. He's gorgeous. I love so Adam Driver. Listen, so even hot. if he is Islamophobic, he can still get it. Hey. So I just, I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out into the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, I think one of the first things we kind of like bonded about I feel like we bonded on a lot of things when we first met but I think that both of us get a lot of hate online for like Mm -hmm. being a woman with a body um yeah for just existing with a Mm -hmm. female body Um, but I wanted to kind of talk to you because you make like such a specific type of TikTok that I feel like I would not know how to categorize, but I just know that the first TikTok of yours that I ever saw was one of your girl facts. You have like, she has a series where she does these girl facts and they're fucking hilarious. And I feel like to me, when I saw it, I was just like, oh my God, like, who is this like girl? She's like so funny. She's like so pretty. Like, I love this. Like, it's so like, it's like so many things happening like simultaneously. And then like you go through the comments and it's like, it's a real mix. It's a real toss up of comments. Like they really can go either direction. Um, So I guess the first question would be, how would you describe your TikToks? So my TikToks, there's a variety, but I would describe my TikToks as comedic. Um, I'm not sure if they're always funny, like, like right off the bat one line or funny, but they're like kind of satirical, I would say. Um, In reference to what you brought up about the girl facts, I made that some of them are like characters. So I made that character um randomly I just had gotten out of the shower and I was like I was just like riffing on my own because sometimes I'll make jokes on my own just speaking to myself and I was like I think I just said girl fact and then random number and I was like we can't stand 
Like, and I just, I know that makes no sense, but I thought it was so funny because like, I, I just discovered how funny it would be um, to say like something is a fact and then it's not a fact at all. And then it's something erroneous and like a lie about women. Like how funny would that be? Like, because people are always trying to figure out this ooh mystery of women, but, but they don't listen to us. So yeah. like, what if we just told them hilariously incorrect statements about ourselves? It was kind of um, inspired by this other creator, um, Sage the House, um, on TikTok because they do a lot of facts. It's not like similar in content, but I was like really just ruminating on their content um, at the time. And so I started making them and this character kind of erupted that's super um, sexual and sensual and like very uncanny valley. Um, it's It's giving very uncanny valley of me. So like... Um, yeah, me just, just snorting because I'm like, like <laughs> laughing over here. Um, yeah, so she came out and she's kind of like, her voice is kind of inspired by Britney Spears also kind of like this odd because a lot of Britney Spears's old videos were very like controlled and like, I think a lot of the little like symbolisms in the content, even though it seems really uh, crass and like odd and, and euphemistic and like weird at first a lot of the symbolism is kind of commentary on, you know, how women are perceived, like the mystique of the woman or this like objectification of the woman. Because if you go into my comments and this is part of the performance art, like if we're looking at this as like an art kind of piece, um, a lot of my audience is men or male identifying people. And a lot of them are either like, it doesn't... (laughs) It doesn't matter what content I produce, I am always the object to my audience, um, especially if my audience is men. And so I'll get like a mixed bag of comments. And usually for men, it's one of two things. It's either women aren't funny, please stop talking. Like, why are you trying to do this? And that's hilarious because there's other creators that do very similar like content um, to me, like Mud World or a Mud Consumer. Um, very similar. But I'll get comments saying, women aren't funny, please stop doing this. Or I'll get, wow, I'm weirdly attracted to this, please keep doing this. And so it's it's never about what I'm saying. It's never about the meaning of the content or how it makes someone feel. It's always about me as the person saying it. And I think that's just kind of, it. it, it is just a perfect representation. It's a perfect space to look at how women are viewed it as like in comedy. Um, because we are never able to conduct ourselves in any way without being an object to a male audience. It's like, I saw this really good TikTok. Sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but please, um, this TikTok about Bo Burnham and how Bo Burnham had his special and Bo Burnham's very talented and very great at satire. I think he's gotten better over the years, but, um, I saw this TikTok talking about how I feel like a woman could do the same thing and people would have just teased her for it. And I forget the creator's name. I really wish I could cite them, but it really is true. Um, Just the fact that we are perceived as women, we cannot conduct ourselves in certain ways without having certain symbolisms tied to us because of misogyny. Um, and something that was vulnerable and like groundbreaking that Bo Burnham did, a woman could do the exact same thing and it would be laughed at. It would be called emotional or, or, um, 
I don't think status quo is the word, but uh, just kind of like normal status quo is the opposite. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of background on the girl facts thing. I know it seems like very um, empty content at first, but a lot of thought went into the character. So yeah, I do girl facts videos. I do a lot of just, um, I, I just really am inspired by the uncanny valley and like being very, um, very unapologetic, bold and borderline upsetting like I think that when women talk about sex or talk about um their bodies or their body hair in ways that are not hush hush people get really upset um and I like that I like that response sometimes so yeah that's a little bit about my TikTok content and how it's evolved and do you want to explain to the audience what exactly the uncanny valley is yeah it's, it's like a the I'm like I I know what it is but like I also am like I don't know it well enough to be able to explain it. it's like a theory right it's a theory um I'm gonna explain it only slightly better <laughs> because the when I think of the uncanny valley I think of um it's so funny I actually think about my first boyfriend explaining it to me and he explained Ew. it to me through the lens of misogyny actually which is just so ironic in this conversation but i think of a graph because he would explain it to me as well some girls are are ugly some girls are hot and then some there's a little dip right in the middle and those girls are hot in the uncanny valley and i was like that's not at all what it is <laughs> but it really stuck in my i know i know Noise I'm literally I'm right just now. like <laughs> my head right now because I'm just like not not this guy mansplaining oh full of misogyny the uncanny valley and trying to make yes. it into like some bitches are hot and some bitches are ugly and like some of these other bitches are just like <laughs> here <laughs> exactly and but it stuck in my brain like regarding people's looks because like dumb things do stick in our heads yeah so it's basically I think it's a like horror theory I might be again I might be totally wrong now I'm women explaining but we're, we're um, also just making things up as this podcast goes along we could really yeah. just describe it as anything at this point Adam Driver is Islamophobic <laughs> the uncanny valley yeah. is like you know whatever we want it to be honestly yeah, it's basically like um, when something is not quite human. So if you see a yeah. face, um, well, it's not quite something. So if yeah. you see a face that is um, unsettlingly not quite put together, your body has a physical reaction to it. And so horror movies often use it. Oh, I wish I could reference this specific movie, but there's there's a scene at the end where there's like a frozen face and it's so horrific because it just hits the uncanny valley. Mm. Um, and it's not even something that's directly scary or violent. It's just something that makes your body curl. And so that's what I like to do in my TikToks because if I'm saying something sexual mm -hmm. and also participating in something that is like very uncanny valley, people get confused and it makes their bodies like, ooh but I also like this, which is fun. It I is think. fun. And I also just think that like, it's so interesting when I see the way people respond to your videos, because when I like see your videos, I also feel like obviously, you know, perception is, is everything, but like, I'm not like, Oh my God, why is she making this face? Or why is she, you know, standing like that or whatever? I'm just like, this is so funny and clever. And like, but like, I don't even see it in that way if that makes any like that's that's not what I'm that's not the focus of it for me it's just like an added layer of the comedy 
in my opinion. Like, yeah. In, but like, it's so weird that like you will see comments like that. And I think, and like, obviously there are so many issues with men, which we don't have the time, but <laughs> I think something that really, uh, you know, affects many women. And it's something that we all experience is like men really want to have women be just like one way. Like yes. you're not allowed to be multifaceted. You're not allowed to have like dimension. Like you can't be like hot and like silly and funny, like simultaneously. Their brains just can't compute it. And so mm-hmm. they just immediately reject whatever is more threatening to their ego, which is usually the comedy factor because men really have trouble like accepting what we all know to be objectively the truth, which is that women are funnier. Um, I'm not saying this as a woman. There is no bias in this. It's just truly, I'm stating fucking facts here, which is that women are very funny. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because our brains work maybe in a different way. I don't know what it, why women are funnier, but we just are. Yeah. I think I, okay. So the bias part of me is like, yes, women are funnier, partly because I think we have to think we, we have to reflect a lot more about Mm -hmm. like, um, women and queer people. We have to like think about our place in society a lot more than, um, cis men do. Mm -hmm. Um, partly. I also like to say in response to men who are like, women are just not as funny. I go, look, you're a misogynist, obviously. But (laughs) I go, no one, it's like, it's, I just say, look, being funny is hard. Being funny is like a really, I think, rare quality in people or, or something that is very like specific to people's humor. Um, but I just say like finding someone who's genuinely funny and good at being comedic is hard all across the board, like in, in the way of like on TikTok or in standup. Like, it's hard. So why are you directing all of that hatred at women who are trying to be funny just as much as there are men who are not funny? Like, there are not funny women, and there are equally just as much not funny men, Uh, if not more so, because I think men rely on the same tropes. It's, like, not funny after a while, you know? Right. And, like, Um, I am going to say something that could make people a little concerned for my mental well-being, but... (laughs) I did watch the Bo Burnham special. And did I think it was funny? Like, yeah, I thought it was funny. Did I think it was the funniest thing I've ever seen? No, not at all. Did I think the entire time I was watching it, I could literally fucking do this? Absolutely. The entire time I was watching it, I don't know what that says about me as a human being, but the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I could fucking do this. I could literally fucking do this. Half of these little songs that he's made up, these are songs that I am making up just like throughout the day. And I'll tell you, my little songs are way funnier. And also like the little light shit that he did that everyone, like every guy I talked to was like, holy fuck. I'm like, yo, he just like went on Amazon and bought some lights. It's not that serious. Like, Yeah. The Bo really- yeah. The Bo Burnham special to me, um, I thought it was really refreshing to see a white man do comedy in this way. Um, I thought that was really cool to see a white man be very vulnerable in, in comedy. Um, but after a certain point, like I think Bo Burnham is so talented. Um, hit me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not me just being like, fuck Bo Burnham. I could do it better. You're just like, Hey Bo Burnham, you know, no, let's no. hang out. I'm not even friends um, with this girl, nor she called me Anna. <laughs> like, like I, I just 
I I thought that Bo Burnham special was good. It was fine. Like yeah. I thought it was really refreshing to see a white man again do comedy in this way. But after a certain point, like there's a reason why it was so prized by the people who received it. And also I think he was very, very cognizant of that reaction because in multiple parts of the songs, like he would talk about how being a white man in comedy is, is quote unquote revolutionary, but it's not, that's why it's satire. So like, I think he knew that that was going to be how people reacted. And I think that that's really cool about what he does. But after a certain point, I think there comes a time where it's like, okay, when is a white man doing doing something vulnerable not going to be revolutionary? Like, women have been vulnerable for years and years and years um, and have used creative media to, like, explore these, like, deep emotions that we feel, um, that everybody feels. And um, when a white man does it, it's like, whoa, there's, wow, that's crazy. I've never seen that done before. And that's that's kind of frustrating. Um, I mean, it's definitely frustrating, but as someone who has interacted with white men, I will say it is always shocking when they're able to be vulnerable or express themselves in any way, not because it's like impressive, but because it's like, I know you've never done this before. So this is truly shocking to all parties involved because I mean, and these aren't my opinions. These are, this is what I've been told. So obviously like, I'm not like, it's, I'm not generalizing all white men, but like every white man I've spoken to has told me I did not grow up talking about my feelings. It just like was not a thing. No one was asking me, nor did I feel the need to share. In fact, like the thought of like sharing my feelings on something in a way, like I feel like was like perceived as this very like, not even like a, it wasn't even like, oh, you're being a sissy. It was more so like a kind of like gauche, like, like, ew, like, that's so gross. Like, why are you doing that? Like, we're better than that. Like, we don't talk about our feelings. Like, we're, we're like above that. We've like evolved past the need to be vulnerable or like share our feelings. And so, um, but I do think it's interesting that that's what your takeaway from it was. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. That didn't even like, <clears throat> it didn't even occur to me like whatsoever, because I think also like I, consume a lot of comedy I love listening to podcasts that are hosted by stand-up comedians I love watching stand-up like I'm I feel like I'm very in I'm very interested in it and so I think at this point although I generally prefer female comedians not just because they're women but because I think that they're usually funnier but most of the male comedians that I like listen to or I watch I think are extremely vulnerable and that is what makes their comedy so incredible like but they're like vulnerable like to the extreme so like that's why like when I heard Bo Bo Burnham like it was just like relative to other comedians that I've listened to it just didn't even like occur to me but I guess it probably yeah it probably was more vulnerable than a cis white man has been in a stand-up special or like a special because you can't even really call that stand-up it was like it was like what was it wasn't just, stand-up. It, it was, just, like, Bo Burnham, does a, Bo Burnham does a lot of, like, music comedy, which isn't, yeah. and I'll be honest, isn't my favorite form of comedy because right. I don't, it just doesn't reach me as much. Do I think yeah. it, like, takes, I couldn't do music comedy, I don't think. Like, I mean, maybe if I tried really hard, it's just I think if favorite. you tried, you could, like, genuinely, <clears throat> truly wake up tomorrow and, like, while you're brushing your teeth, just start thinking about a song about your teeth being brushed and you will, 
you that song will evolve into all types of weird things that you I'm constantly singing made up songs to my cats like the, every day yeah. it's like a new fucking oh, that's song like my dad my yeah. dad does that that's really I love cute. your dad that's really cute but yeah that's like I'm just, like my dad. that's why when I see Bo Burnham do it and people like losing their minds I'm like I gotta be honest with you this song is not that it's not what you think it is it's very yeah. much I'm sure he was just like sitting around Maybe he was on drugs. I don't know. And he just started saying some funny shit and turned it into a little song. And I'm just also, um, my ego really is, is no, I don't, showing I, right now. I don't think you're being like egotistical or anything. I think like the best songs, I think Bo Burnham's, out of all Bo Burnham's work, the most recent thing he did was in, like the best, like musically. Cause I was yeah. like, whoa, like actually the production's really good. Um, Centering male comedians a little bit more, I do want to talk about. They don't um, get enough attention, so we really don't get need enough- to shed some light. <laughs> um, is is uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about commentary YouTubers. Um, because oh God. are you because, talking about who I think you're talking about? Um, oh well, Curtis Connor. Are oh, we no. talking about Curtis Connor? Oh, no, oh. I was thinking about um, fuck, what's his name? Ugh. He sings that song. I'm rich. Look at me. I'm just are like gonna- you, but I'm rich. Fuck, what is his name? He's like is a he white a guy. Yes, he's a YouTuber. Oh. I don't know who sings that one. Now I'm like really showing my true colors. Hold on. Well, you you talk. You you say what you need to say. I'm going to look it up while you're like, yeah. <clears throat> okay. I was just saying um, I actually need more female or like women or queer um, recommendations for comedy because a lot of my friends, like TikTokers, they're all comedians and a lot of them are women or queer people. But – um, a lot of the comedy, it's so funny because people will be like, you're a man hater. When most of the comedy that I consume are white men, I'm going to be totally honest. Like, uh, Cody Co. Cody Co. Curtis Connor. Oh yeah. Okay. I was going to say maybe it was Cody Co. Yeah. Cody Co. Curtis Connor, Danny Gonzalez, um, Drew Gooden. I love Drew Gooden. I think he's so, so insanely funny and smart. Um, all of these men are white men who do comedy and they're hilarious like they're so talented um and recently I actually became like mutuals or like dare I say um beginning friendship with like Curtis Connor um and it's just been such a joy like being in a space with such talented comedians so I think that there are well and I actually got to see a show he comped me and um a friend when I went to New York and visited you um and it was like such a refreshing way to see comedy done by like a white man as well so like I just think uh, oh 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 and and stemming off that new commentators and this is something that I I do want to get into commentary and so it's been a little hard because it's like oh it's dominated by white men like how am I going to be perceived right um but the new kind of wave of commentators is like coming out and I just wanted to kind of drop their names in here um uh Rose Ramden. I, I really hope I didn't get her name incorrectly. Um, she's so talented. Um, um, Nick is not green. Like people like, uh, yeah, Nick is not green. Uh, Mr. Beard is a white man, um, Ryan, but he's hilarious. I love how you're like, he is a white man though. And that, <laughs> that much I must, I must share. Um, but no, like I think that again, when I think about commentary, all of the funniest commentary. I think white men are funny. I, it's not yeah. that, it, the argument is never that I don't think men are funny or that I don't mm-hmm. think that white men are funny. Like I think they're funny. I just think that women 
are actually funnier, like genuinely actually like, yeah. And like, you know, like I've had like a few female comedians on my podcast, like Rosebud Baker and Christina Hutchinson. And I just think they're so funny. And like, the best part is, is it's never shocking when they're vulnerable because Mm -hmm. women are expected to be vulnerable, but like, they're like, they're like vulnerable in like such an extreme way that it's like, this is incredible that you are just like putting it all out there. And like that to me is like super impressive because I think there's more at stake when women are vulnerable than when men are vulnerable, especially straight men. Like I don't think they have as much to lose. In fact, they're usually probably like applauded and patted on the back and told like, great job. I mean, there's going to be a few like, you know, close-minded people who are like, you're being a little bitch or whatever the fuck. But I think for the most part, men get a lot of like positive reinforcement when they are expressing themselves and being vulnerable. But women, it's just like, you know, shocker. Wow, wow, wow. Another girl like crying about like being assaulted. You know what I mean? Yeah, literally. Well, it's meant it's men's mental health month, actually, I think. Or is it really? Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, because I have seen so much outpouring support from women in my circle, queer people in my circle about men's mental health month. Um, I'm like, I'll be candid with you. I haven't even seen a single thing. (laughs) Well, and this is the thing in my circle. I've seen a lot of like support. Have I seen any support from my like man friends or men in my life or men in my feed? No. And so this is what frustrates me is that when men are vulnerable, this is kind of getting out of comedy and just into like, existing on the planet but um when like men are always going on and on about symptoms of misogyny that they created and placing it on women so like I'll get a lot of things like you're a man hater you don't even care about men's mental health how dare you talk about the um SA statistics when you're not even talking about the male suicide rate and I'm like Hey, who created the culture in which men have to stay silent about their feelings or shouldn't go seek therapy? Who created that culture? Wasn't me. It wasn't even women as a whole. In fact, it was the patriarchy who did that to itself. And And so maybe- What a fucking gaslighty thing to do when you're talking about sexual assault and someone is trying to like- detract and talk about like but what about men like we're not talking about that right now you should probably just like shut the fuck up that's what I would say yeah and if you're gonna say and and if you're gonna make a what about men comment maybe don't choose a thing that is literally a symptom of the same thing that we're trying to end aka the patriarchy like why are you further reinforcing our point with something else? You know, I don't know if I'm explaining that well but no you are and I, I think the problem though with like the patriarchy is that <laughs> is that we <laughs> we all have internalized misogyny like even oh, yeah. I even I have internalized misogyny at times and I catch myself and I'm like hmm. why the fuck are you saying that why the fuck are you doing that why the fuck are you being extra cautious with this individual versus like this other individual and like mm-hmm. I think it's very much become this like very it's so a part of our society. It's so a part of like the norms of our society in which we live in. And so I think it's only normal that we still have these ideologies that we need to like deconstruct and break down and re- like rewire our, our thought process. And I think it'll be a few more generations before 
we like eliminate these like very arbitrary ideas that were obviously created by men to like, you know, keep the woman down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like your generation, as you like to always remind me and people of my era, you, you know, <laughs> not old as fuck like me, but <laughs> I think that, you know, Gen Z, are they bullies? Yeah, sure. But also some of that bullying is for the greater good. Yeah. Some yeah. of it's just toxic. But yeah, some of it's toxic. Some, some of it's toxic. Yeah. I will say I fall to some of it. Like some of it I'm like um like I I see a lot of like well, I don't know. I feel like we're conscious about it. I see in the TikTok comments when something is like genuinely like funny but like it's not intentionally funny I'll see in the comments like oh my god I'm going to hell like <laughs> like I shouldn't be laughing <laughs> I need TikTok to never create a feature where people can see exactly who liked a comment because I oh, do yeah. be I do be liking some fucked up comments <laughs> yeah, I mean sometimes me <laughs> they're too just, they're just so funny they're just objectively funny and it's like couldn't we all just laugh couldn't we all just read this and get a little <laughs> chuckle, a little chuckle in for the day? And, you know, maybe it's a little mean, but like maybe, maybe it's not mean. Maybe. Yeah. No, it is mean. It's definitely mean, but it's, I laugh at mean comments about me too. It's fine. Oh, me too. There are, oh, dang. I wish I could remember what this person said, but sometimes people will say things about me that are just so mean and so funny. And I just, and, and, and kind of tying it back to the patriarchy sometimes I just laugh. Like, I think it's so hilarious. I know it's not because like, there's all these things like sexual assault and like all of these like terrible things and symptoms of, of being oppressed. But sometimes like on the internet, like it is just so funny to see how men react to me or the mean things that they say. And sometimes they're really good roasts. Like sometimes I'm just like, dang, they really got, they really pwned me on that one. They really owned me. Not, not pwned me. Pwned. Listen, I also wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like, although like in your videos, I feel like there is this element of like female sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. I know that there's obviously a reason you do that, but like, can, do you mind like explaining like the reason oh, why yeah. you add that? That's like an added element to most of your videos. Yeah, so um, it kind of comes from just my fascination with sex in general. Um, I grew up um, evangelical Christian. Shocker, shocker. Everybody's like, huh? <laughs> um, I grew it's up just like, are, are they the ones, not me calling them they, but like, they. are evangelical <laughs> Christians the ones who like, they do like a lot of, um, what's the word, like in church, they're like always on their knees. They're always like, um, e- Yeah. So, so, so evangelical Christians, they were the majority Trump vote, I believe my family, my white family, um, they were also a part of that statistic. My, my immediate family. No, my mom. No. Um, but what I will say is evangelical Christians are the ones that you think of when you think of like TV church or, um, or, Oh, there's a prayer and we need to have like, five pianos going while somebody's saying a generic prayer because we need it to be emotional. Um, I too need five pianos playing when I really just like say anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, literally that's, that's kind of like how I grew up. So I grew up really ashamed of like, well, I grew up thinking I was going to save myself for marriage. First of all, I was like, yup, 
I'm really never going to have sex until I am married and I only want one man. And then I realized, oh shit, I was 16. I kissed my first girl. Um, and I went, oh, oh, I'm gay. I'm like, oh, I'm like queer. Like I'm was gay. That, was that when you realized that you were queer? Was it no, in that exact moment? No. When I, I That was like the solidifying. No, the solidifying moment was when I had sex with the first girl that I, okay. because I okay. kept like, trying to talk I feel like that should it. usually solidify it. I yeah. feel like that is that's a great confirmation, but like was it something that you had like previously like thought about and you were like trying um, to like suppress? Yes, so I was I think uh I'm trying it was earlier because I always would look at like my my teachers or like girls or like I always was drawn to girls um, and what they thought about me. Oh, okay. My earliest memory, gay memory, I was like four or five and I was sitting in a classroom with my friend, Sarah. Um, And I really, really wanted to get Sarah's approval. Like I really was making art and it's like my first like thought about art too, which is kind of like a beautiful thing. But um, yeah, I was making art and I just was like, Sarah, look, Sarah, look, I really wanted Sarah to like what I drew. So that's like the first gay. I know people are like, that's just friendship. No, it wasn't. Like, I really was obsessed with Sarah. That's not friendship. No, I was like, no, I was like obsessed with Sarah also. Sarah was like mid, mid about our friendship. She was like, whatever. Um, but I was obsessed with Sarah. I really wanted Sarah's approval. And then when I was eight, I went to watch Ratatouille. Well, oh, oh, oh. Another thing, I was always obsessed with the dark, sexy female characters. So, like, Shigo, um, Eris in Sinbad, like, just everybody. Uh, Jasmine, oh, my gosh, she's not, like, a dark female character, but, like, she is, like, a, like, sensual female character, right? Or, like, somebody who, you know, I feel like she kind of broke the mold for Disney princesses. Anyway, anyway. She also was the only Disney princess I could ever identify with, although she is from a made-up place that is really just a mashup of, like – south asian and middle eastern and like gulf culture and they were just like they're all brown this is the fucking same agraba oh my gosh can we please okay can we please after i talk about being gay as fuck can we please go back to talking about disney princesses because this is a great segue into being totally totally. talk about moana being Um, gay disney princesses hawaii hawaii (laughs) (laughs) that's like what they whatever they called it in moana anyway Um, so anyway, I watched Ratatouille about being gay. Um, I watched Ratatouille when I was eight and I went home and I thought, and I didn't know what sex was quite. I thought it was like kissing naked. Um, but I, I went home and I was coming into my garage and I remember thinking I would have sex with that, that what's her name? Colette. I don't know. (laughs) Like I would like kiss her like naked, whatever I thought sex was at the time. I didn't know. And then I like, I instantly was like, (gasps) like I panicked because I was like, why did I have this thought about kissing this? female character um and then I had like a lot of um really rough like women friendships honestly in my life that kind of I now see as like being homoerotic friendships or like friendships where I felt like more than friendship towards them but I wouldn't be able to articulate that and so I would treat them terribly like honestly like imagine that you know the stereotype of like the gay man who's closeted in high school and they're like really mean to other men honestly I can really relate to that because I would be so mean to like my or so mean or just honestly borderline like abusive, like emotionally just like bankrupt towards my women friends when I would feel very like intimate with them. Um, 
And so then I kissed my first girl. I went, okay, I think I can comfortably use the word by because I liked that. And then it just like really solidified itself when I had sex with the first girl ever that I, that I had sex with. And it was, I went, oh, this feels exactly the same. <laughs> I was like, I feel. Well, let me ask you this. Can yeah. you, cause I feel like we've like talked about this like privately a little bit, like, can you see yourself being in like a long-term relationship with a woman? Um, yes. I recently met a woman that I, um, yeah, like I, I always had this internal, I think it's an internalized belief. Like if you, people are obviously more romantic for certain genders, like depending on themselves. And so I'm not like making any statements towards other people's relationships with their sexuality, but I do have a firm belief that if somebody would have sex with a woman, like if you're a woman and you would have sex with a woman, and you think, well, I don't know if I could ever be in a long-term relationship with a woman. Usually it's just internalized homophobia because I was there too. I was like, can I have a relationship with a woman? It's usually just because women are so sexualized in society that we can't see them further, right? Um, but I recently met a woman that honestly changed my like life. And like I was like, oh, if this woman asked me to marry her right now, I would do it. Like, I would do it now. Also, not me just sitting here trying to think of every woman you've interacted with recently. <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck is this person she's in love with? This is what happens when I don't talk to Anu for like three days. Literally, it's just like, I, well, okay. <laughs> Look at me getting nervous. Um, like, I don't know. It's not, this person isn't somebody that I'm going to date or like date. It's just like, my realization of like oh I feel it's just like was this big moment for me I get emotional talking about it just this big moment for me like realizing that this friend of mine like I oh I do like have deep feelings like deep like like highly respectful and like regarded feelings for women in like an intimate way that I that could be long term like really like it was a life-changing experience nothing's going to come from this relationship and that's totally fine. But it, it was a big step in like breaking down, I think internalized homophobia and finding like, sometimes I'll be like, I'll think a woman's attractive or like be sexually attracted to a woman. And then I'll be like, Oh my gosh, is that like dirty? Like I shouldn't be sexualizing. You're like, it's like, am I gay? I'm like, Oh, am I gay? Ah, ew. Anyway, <laughs> but um, it kind of broke that down. Like, within me because I was like no this attraction I have for this person is so pure and like loving and like like real and like that's a good thing so that's kind of like really it's an ongoing journey but it most recently I was like oh wait I could definitely like marry a woman for sure like and I just need to know how this ties into Disney princesses like I just need to know how this correlates <laughs> with Disney princesses because you said that it ties in and I'm okay you're like how explain well it ties in to me as a person because we were talking about um you were talking about how um aladdin and like jasmine is this amalgamation i said jasmine was my favorite princess um i also was like yes i did just take a picture of my cats by the way (laughs) oh cute cute that's what i do all the time um but uh i said that jasmine was my favorite princess growing up i loved her i was obsessed with her and um, you also said she's an amalgamation of like Arab culture. Moana is the same. We can totally, and this is kind of like transitioning into what you said you wanted to talk to me about, which was like 
being Hawaiian. Yes, like, yes. I love the I love that you're doing the transitions for me, but also I feel like everyone needs to know that when Anu was in New York, she did come over to my apartment and we did watch Moana on my projector. <laughs> and Wait, was it Moana or was it Disney? It was oh, Lilo. Sorry, Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and we Stitch. Lilo, Lilo and Stitch. Stitch. Which okay, between Lilo and Stitch and Moana, as far as representation of native Hawaiians, which one if you have to choose, uh, would you say it's more I, accurate? I it's so hard to choose because uh, Lilo and Stitch kind of like touches on like like the uh, like kind of like makes fun of like tourism a little bit and like kind of like modern day Hawaiian culture um, kind of like talks about that. And then Moana is just this great again amalgamation or like just combination of of literally every Polynesian culture that you can think of into one so I don't feel comfortable like even saying that there has been an accurate uh portrayal of Hawaiian culture because Moana is literally every Polynesian culture put together like we did not wear like Hawaiians did not wear the garb that they wear in that movie um uh there are points where uh there's like Tongan, um, not memorabilia or, um, like clothing that they're wearing or like something inspired by, uh, Tonga or Samoa or, um, you know, just non-Hawaiian things. Um, Maui, like we share a lot of gods, like among like the Polynesian islands, like across Polynesia, we all, we share a lot of like similar stories because we all migrated to different like islands and places, um, but those stories are all combined as well and and also falsified. So like what Disney did was they went on a three week tour across Hawaii and, um, you know, Tahiti and all of these places. And then basically said, OK, we know enough. Um, let's just, you know, make it into a movie and have our token Polynesian princess. Um, and I feel bad kind of talking crap about Moana because I really did like it when it came out um and I also my classmate is Moana like Ali Carvalho or Carvalho screaming she, screaming yeah, at she is my classmate um and she's very talented uh, we were both in concert glee um so I feel bad like talking shitty about it when my classmate like, literally was not her even her fault and I'm glad that at the very least the voice of Moana was actually Hawaiian. Hawaiian like do you know what I mean because a lot of times a lot of times they'll just take any bitch and they'll be like yeah. you're you're gonna play this you know other ethnicity but um so the reason I also like okay so we're transitioning into talking a bit more about like Hawaiian people and like the history because I will be the first to say it my knowledge of Hawaiian history, I guess, is like mm -hmm. super embarrassingly limited. Like I know that there are obviously a lot of parallels in the colonization that they experienced, especially like being Palestinian. Like I know mm -hmm. that much. And I know that like, you know, their, their history and their culture was something that, you know, the colonizers really tried to like take away from them. But I just feel like you know, I know you're super well versed in it. So I'm like, what, what do you feel like people don't know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, 
So what I will say first, yes, there's so many parallels to what is happening in Palestine and what is happening in Hawaii. And like, there were a lot of signs that actually in Hawaii says like free Hawaii, free Palestine. Like it's like, like love together, that. which I love. Um, so I am not the most first. I, something that like Hawaiians are having to do and are like, we call it the Hawaiian Renaissance because our culture was genocided or, or almost nearly genocided. And now it's like the revitalization. We are like constantly relearning our language, uh, the things that happened in our history. And I have even forgotten a lot of like specific dates or like, or things that are really important to understanding like how we got where we are. Um, but like being Hawaiian feels like you're going through old like uh like albums like for me it looks it feels like going through old albums and like trying to piece together oh what family member is this like that's how it feels to me because it feels like a radical like unearthing of things and like repatriation of those things um I think a lot of people don't even know that Hawaiians exist like frankly like I you were like oh well what what don't we know well everybody listening there are there are indigenous people in Hawaii wait do people like think that it's like uh like yeah they're like fictional characters yes people don't know I mean I've experienced a lot of anti-indigenous racism on the mainland I've gotten (laughs) Hawaiians what do you eat pineapples I've gotten that I've gone why do you say Hawaii you're saying it wrong I've gotten what Hawaiians they don't they don't exist like what are you talking about I've gotten so fucked I've had a white man look at me. I was crying in an art critic, uh, art critique, and I was talking about how something that someone made was very, very like appropriative to indigenous cultures. And he looked at me and he said, "Well, indigenous people aren't like traditionally like doing what they do anymore." So, and I said, "I'm right here." I looked at him. I said, "Yes, we are. I'm right here." And he said, "Well, you're not, you know, like." you guys aren't doing the traditional things you did. So like, I was like, honey, anyway, they don't think we exist. A lot of people like put us in natural history museums and say either, Oh, the Hawaiians, you know, aren't really Hawaiians anymore or indigenous people in general. Um, or they just don't even know that there are like indigenous people here. Um, so for everybody listening, there are indigenous people in Hawaii um, actually, we are the patrons of the land. Uh, we are an illegally occupied country. There has actually never been any treaty signed to legally make us a state. Um, so that's why I don't say that I'm from America. I'm from Hawaii and I came to America. Um, culturally, that also makes sense because it's so different in Hawaii. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that we are an illegally occupied country. Um, basically what gives you sovereignty as like a country is other countries say you're a sovereign nation. That's how it like works. Yep. Um, and then when something is illegally occupied, one country will say you are an asset to this country and you are ours now. And that's kind of what happened. I think it was during, and I might get this wrong. It was during a war. I think it was the Spanish American war. I don't know. Um, but they basically said that we were an asset and they imprisoned our queen in her own house and she died within six months of a broken heart. Like I think well, actually like her blood pressure or something like it, like really just, she was so sad. They had to like sneak in um, news to her uh, through like giving her flowers wrapped in newspapers so that she would be able to get news of her homeland and her country. Um, And she died in her home. And then we had no monarch. 
Um, we actually had like a really peaceful monarchy. We had, we had electricity before the white house. Um, you know, we were like very, and we are very, very, um, like advanced, intelligent. We were, we were the most literate people. Um, and I say this loosely in America, we were more literate in English than like people in America at the time. So like, we really tried to keep our sovereignty, but they still, they still came and like beached us. You know, I'll tell you what, the colonizers, one thing you can say for sure about them is that they'll always come and they'll always Mm -hmm. try to take shit. Well, and they uh, never left. Now we, like Oahu, like literally has like some of the most like military presence um, because we are such a like strategic point, right? And what people like to say is like, no, you guys are a state, you function as a state. And we do function as a state. Um, But multiple countries around the world still recognize us as like the country of Hawaii and like the nation. And, um, oh shoot. I like lost my, my train of thought, but, um, well, I also, I have, I have a question. Yeah. Slightly related, but also slightly unrelated. What are like actual traditional Hawaiian like meals? Because (gasps) I feel like there's like a lot of confusion around this generally speaking, because obviously things are like appropriated and Mm -hmm. then people are like, this is actually like this and this is actually that. And then like, you know, I'll see something and it feels very like Asian inspired, but it's like Mm. Hawaiian. And I'm like, and I know that there's obviously like a lot of like, anyways, yes. So just what, what are some actual genuine, real authentic Hawaiian dishes? Cool. So if you go to any, like, let's put this in quotes, Hawaiian restaurant in New York, because there are some, you will get local food. We call it local food because uh, Hawaii became like a melting pot of so many different cultures and we all mixed our food. And so now there's like local food we'll get like at the gas station or something because you can actually eat gas station food here. It's freaking delicious. I just want to go just to eat gas station food. Oh, you would love it. Um, But like traditional Hawaiian food, um, uh, are things like poi, which is like, I don't know if you know taro. So kalo, we call it kalo. It's actually a part of like our um, origin story or like our creation story, kalo is. I could go into that another day. But um, so poi is like pounded into, um, like kalo is pounded into pa'iai. It's like a paste and then added water and it's poi. So that is like something you eat with your fingers. There's um, kalua pig. So that's like a big like boar that you hunt that you put into the ground and then you um, it's like uh, cooked in an emu underground and then it like basically just becomes this like buttery melty situation that you eat. Um, there is uh, I don't even know squid. I don't know if squid luau is like something that we made later on, but that's like. Oh, I don't know how to even explain that. It's really good though. Um, there's you're like uh, just know it's just delicious. know it's good. Um, there's a halpia. I don't even know if that's also new, but it is Hawaiian food. Like, like I am explaining Hawaiian foods. Like lomi salmon, for example, is like tomatoes and like salmon, kind of like cut up and like mixed together with a lot of like greens. Um, that is not like traditional Hawaiian food. Yeah, but it is Hawaiian food now. Right. Um, there is uh poke so a lot of people say pokey it's not but that's the thing i i was like poke is definitely like hawaiian and i've had i've had some people tell me like no it's like this or it's and i'm like 
Well, okay, so poke wasn't, I don't, to my knowledge, maybe I'm being a bad Hawaiian right now and not knowing, but like, She's to a my bad knowledge, Hawaiian. I'm a bad Hawaiian, like, but to my knowledge, poke is like a modern, like, spin on it because it's kind of like similar, like, right, Japanese but like, inspired, the, but the roots of it, yeah. But fish, we'd eat raw fish, so I say it's Hawaiian food because it freaking is. We would eat raw fish and put things on it, like, like. Hawaiians would eat fish. That's like what we did. Yeah, that's we like what they do, fish. guys. Yeah, it's like but what also, we do. I have a question. Yeah. What's the deal with spam? Why okay, do I have so many food related questions? Okay, so spam, I, I went what? because spam is so bad for you, but I didn't know. Okay. Growing up, we eat spam religiously. Spam is at every single breakfast spot. I didn't know growing up that Americans thought it was like the bottom of the barrel food. Like, I did not know that people were like, ugh, spam, why, who eats that? Like, what? I didn't know that. Do I think spam is gross? Yes, because I know how it's made now. And so I'm like, absolutely not. But also sometimes I'll sneak a little bite in. But spam is like a thing here. Spam is like, we have a spam festival here. We love spam. I, I mean, that much, again, my knowledge, very limited. But what I do know is that Hawaiians do, in fact, love spam and will yes. incorporate it into anything, anything in any way humanly possible. Um, yep. And I respect it because I'll tell you what, I know some Arabs who also like spam. There's also something called like mortadella, which I don't know that it's even in English. I feel like in Arabic it's mortadella, but like could also be Italian, could also be just like an English word said in like an Arab accent. Cause sometimes like I just learn things from my parents. So I don't actually know what I'm really fucking saying. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's essentially spam. Like, oh, I feel really? like that's what it is. And I it's like a breakfast meat, typically. And it's like, it comes in this, like, big, like, hunk. And you, like, slice Stop it into it. these, like, these chonky slices. Yep. And and then they just, like, eat it. And I'm just, like, I'm not okay. eating that. I'm just not going to eat that. I'm also, like, really weird about textures when it comes to food. And, like, visually, I can tell what a texture is going to be like. And I just know I won't like that texture. Oh, Spam has to be really crispy for me to eat it. Like, so crispy and, like, leathery. I can't eat it when it's, like, still jiggling around. See, that's the thing. The jiggly, I can't I can't have anything. <laughs> I was going to say I can't have anything jiggly. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> That was not a dirty joke. Nothing jiggly only. Um, But no, I'm just so happy that you were able to like come on. And I also just feel like I'm like, there's like so many things. There's so many things we can talk about for like at at length. Um, But I'm really glad that you came on. And like, I also just feel like, I don't know if you know this, Anu, but you're, you know, I was going to lie, but I'm not. My first crush, this is a story. Mm -hmm. My first crush ever was Hawaiian really his name was james notley i've actually mentioned him like three times on my podcast really cute i think he was half white and i think his mom was hawaiian and his name was james notley and i had a huge crush on him and he definitely was like my boyfriend though like it was a mutual love that we have for one another i don't know where he's at currently james notley if you're listening to this um i love you um but um i'm just really excited to like have you on and like i just love when you just share things about like your culture, because I think it's so interesting. And I think that most like there, I don't really come across many Hawaiian natives. Like it's just not something that is, you know, 
it's like a rare occasion. Yeah, it's not, it's very uncommon. So I was really excited that you wanted to come on because I also just like want my audience to like be able to get to know you and like maybe take the time to learn more about like Hawaiian people. Cause like, I know that like after meeting you, that definitely made me want to like learn more and like know more about like what's happening and what has happened and like what we can do to help. And um, also TikTok has been a really amazing resource for like learning about what exactly is happening in Hawaii currently and like how tourism is actually negatively affecting them. Even though I think a lot of people assume, Oh, tourism great for the country, but sometimes not great for the indigenous people guys. Yeah, literally. Like, Um, I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's a very mutual um, being in like community with so many like, lovely Palestinian people and like Arabic people in general and like I I never was exposed to that growing up either so like it's like I feel like it's very mutual like learning about your culture I feel the exact same so and it's, it's true Anu, and love. it is all aloha I'm literally every time you say that it just tickles me in the best way possible <laughs> every time you just say one time Anu said that is not very aloha of you to someone and <laughs> in a class, and I was just like why do I want that like on a hat? Like why do I want merch that just says that is not very Aloha? Um, Because it's just, sometimes it's just not very Aloha and people need to be told. Um, Yeah, literally. Because we're all about Aloha. It's not the Aloha spirit. Um, What were you saying about Anu's actually, you said something. Oh, I was going to say Anu actually learned how to do Depka, which is a traditional Palestinian dance. She did learn how to do it in my home. Um, I, however, could not do it. And so I did retire to the couch after approximately 30 seconds of attempting. Yes, guys, I am exposing myself. I am a Palestinian who does not know how to do Depka. But you know what? It's okay. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's really, it's really not, it's not for the people of Gaza. They were too busy suffering to dance. Okay. Oh my God. It's true. You ask my mom. I'm like, mom, why don't you know how to do Depka? She's like, bitch, we were we were busy dying. suffering. We, we were, were literally dying. busy, like, like trying to literally not die. No time for dancing. No dancing time. Um, right. But anyway, so uh, thank you so much for coming on. Where thank can you people so find you online? Where can they consume your content? Plug all of your things. Yeah, cool. So you can find me on um, Instagram. Uh, Twitter and TikTok, all at the same thing. It's Anuhea Nihipali. That's A N U H E A N I H I P A L I. You can find me there. Um, I'm everywhere. You will see. And I'm going to have all of her social medias linked in the episode description. As always, you could follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Cycle, where you will see a gorgeous picture of oh. Anu. And you can follow me on Instagram, where, you know, I'm just being a fucking rat i am getting more furniture in my home so that's exciting Love it. um lots of mirrors for me to take selfies in and i won't be stopped um and of course if you really love me you could subscribe to my patreon arab american psycho on patreon where there are three solo episodes a month and they are quite entertaining i would subscribe but that's a lie i would not subscribe to me i would literally kill myself um but Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Anu, for being on the show. Uh, As always, guys, don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen, don't be a fucking asshole, and I'll talk to you next Sunday.